0: Welcome to Pick and Pod, episode four of the 2018-2019 National Basketball Association season. Emmanuel Barbari, Jackson Heil, Brendan O'Connell. Exciting show planned. We have a lot going on in terms of a national landscape in the NBA right now. Whether it be Ty Lue's departure from Cleveland, Klay Thompson and the Warriors' continued dominance or going all the way down to more local stuff like the Knicks and the Nets and the recent meeting between those two. Two meetings already early in this season. So, guys, just some early takeaways from this past week.
1: Early takeaways. Um, I'd say Cavs players are idiots for being mad about Ty Lue getting fired. (laughs) Uh, I I think Ty Lue personally, personally probably was the worst coach in the NBA at this point. And last year he was masked by the heroics of LeBron and having right. talent with them, and probably was the reason that, I'm not going to say he's the sole reason because the Warriors are tremendously talented, and I don't think there was an, really a scenario in which they would end up losing the title last year or the year before that, but I think Ty Lue personally was a horrendous coach, and it, it's a good move by the Cavs, and now they're somehow only playing two coaches now because they're still playing Blatt, they're going to be paying Lou for a long time because Dan Gilbert's given out dumb extensions, but... This is a step They're in the right play- direction they uh, Mike Brown, too. I think they just yeah. finished paying him. Oh, really? Yeah. Outrageous. It, it, it was like they just <laughs> finished paying off Mike Brown, which is like pretty funny. But regardless, yes, I, I think this is the right step in the direction for the Cavs. I mean, they were 0-6 to start the year. They don't have a lot of talent on that roster. This needs to be a start of, I'm not going to say a long rebuild, but something's got to change in Cleveland, and this was the first step in the right direction. Yeah,
2: I mean, my main takeaway is just the ineptitude of the Cavaliers. I mean, Jackson, you touched on it, and I agree that Ty Lue is not a good coach at all. But if you're going to move in this direction, why is the timing now? It it really makes no sense. I would have done it before the year if they were yeah, thinking no, that far ahead. Also, you know they they do not have a roster that's going to be conducive to winning ball games. So to blame it on Ty Lue, I don't really agree. Another takeaway of mine is obviously Clay Thompson went off in that game. 14 three pointers. That's a record. <laughs> 52 points in uh, 27 minutes, I believe. But Steve Kerr is no fun. I, I am so <laughs> sick of the Warriors putting up 60 in three quarters and then taking out the players. I want to see somebody really go after Kobe's 81, Wilt's 100. I want to see them go all out doing it because they keep setting records in the middle of the third quarter and then not playing for the last 20 minutes of the game. I am so sick of it.
0: It's almost common basketball courtesy, but the Warriors have the potential to shatter some records. They when do. you think of single-game marks, whether it be individual, whether it be team, I could foresee a scenario if they just didn't take the foot off the gas pedal against a team like
1: Chicago. Let's last, say Chicago. Well,
0: Chicago last night could they go for 200 points in a regulation game?
1: I mean, you put them 92 points in the first half. It's a Very good chance it could happen. You're within I mean, spitting distance I mean, there. The fact, the first off, the fact that a team can allow 92 points in a half is a disgrace in Wolf. itself. Like, like that's a disgrace. What do you in expect itself? them I mean, to do though? Yeah, I mean, play some defense.
0: They're a terrible basketball team. They are.
1: I- I'm not taking away anything from that, but. I I do Brent, I do agree what you're saying. Steve Kerr should force the Bulls to try to stop them at some point. I mean, the the fact that you're up by 42, if you're at down by 42 in the first half, you don't deserve to have a team take your foot off the gas pedal against you. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm it's kidding
2: about Steve Kerr being no fun. I was exaggerating yeah. to to prove a point. But I mean, you know, you can rest the guys later. You can give Clay 3 straight games off. You have enough talent to win a game, you know, by 20 anyway if you don't play Clay or if you don't play one one of the your other stars cuz you're so deep uh but Eman I think you have you make a great point that like they really got a shot to either whether it's individually or as a team shatter the record books
0: the bulls just caught them on a bad night yeah uh, the bulls didn't help themselves by allowing 92 points and a half but the fact that clay thompson was in the middle of a historic performance i think contributed to that and if you're a, a horrific team and you catch Klay Thompson, one of the best shooters of all time, on one of his best nights of his career, I think you're in for a rough one. Transitioning to the team, because we wanted to get to this, the team the Warriors played in the finals last year. And, and Ty Lue is gone after six games of a season, after taking a team to the NBA finals the year prior, I think demonstrates. And I don't get how anyone could really debate this, that Ty Lue was a non-existent coach. He was, yeah. a, he was just a cone standing there put in place by one of the worst owners in sports history, in Dan Gilbert. And the fact that a team that went to the NBA Finals the year prior, that faced off against the Warriors that many years in a row, are on such a short leash with a coach, shows that Tyloo is just an utter disgrace and doesn't deserve to be a coach in this league.
1: I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean... I I think they were wrong to fire Blatt personally. And I I don't even think Blatt's a great coach. I I just think I just think Ty Lu personally just stinks. I mean he, he's such a horrendous coach. And you look at what Cleveland wasn't able to do last year, I mean, defensively they were a disaster and, and that's saying something considering you have the best defender in the world in LeBron James right now. And They couldn't do really a whole lot offensively outside of LeBron. It was iso ball all the way through the finals. I mean, the fact that it took them seven games to beat Indiana in the East, and that's not a knock on Indiana, but you have the best player in the world. You have pieces around there that are pretty good. I mean, you put LeBron with any other star, it should be a cakewalk in the East to get to the finals. And then I know the Celtics are good, but the, the fact that they had to deal with so much adversity going through the East last year, is really entirely indicative of the type of coach that Tyler is. He, he's, a play, he's a player's coach, I know that, and we are in a player's league, but you got to show something at some point. And really, other than the first year when they had so much talent and they got lucky with Draymond getting suspended and LeBron putting the team on his back and Kyrie... It was really a whole lot of individual stuff throughout his entire tenure with Cleveland, and that's not going to fly when you have a really poor team. They need a coach like – you need a Kenny Atkinson type in Cleveland to start the process for them rebuilding forward, and Lou is a guy who – Belong, he he probably still belongs on an NBA bench, but certainly not as a head coach.
0: I think it was way too premature having him in that spot, and I don't think you can make the case that he was qualified at that specific time to take over that team. Now, granted, it was a LeBron-led team, and mm-hmm. you can make the case about LeBron and wherever he is, what role the coach actually has on that team, what role the general manager even has in that organization, but Lou taking over for Blatt at that time, I think it showed how little influence a coach had that they were willing to stick with him. Even after the season, they were willing to bring him back. I don't think he was the most qualified guy at the time. I think there were better candidates out there. And they stuck with him, showing that he really had no role in the Cavs' success. And now, once it starts to fold, inevitably, they part ways.
2: I totally agree. I think you know that Ty Lue from the start, wasn't the right guy for the job. I don't think he's a great coach, as you guys have been saying. But... I mean, as far as this season goes, what did Cleveland expect? Why did they still have him in place if they didn't believe in him as the coach going forward? Which you know they should have figured out the past few seasons with their, I mean, lack of success. I think they would have done better with a different coach. I mean, know, think with about it. And you the bring in place. In,
1: you bring in a different coach in what? Not, not, not last year because last year I think the damage had been done already. But you bring in a coach the year they lost in five to the finals. What was it? Twenty six, twenty seventeen then that kind of could change a few things because maybe Kyrie doesn't want out of Cleveland so fast. And part of that, obviously, is because he didn't want to play with LeBron, I don't think. But, hey, if you've got an actual competent coach in there, I think you may have a shot to maybe retain LeBron in Cleveland and keep Kyrie and kind of keep that core intact that they had. I'm not saying that that definitely would have been the case, but... It didn't make sense to me that they made Lou the official head coach, even after they won the finals, because I, I thought it was pretty clear all along that they won on the basis of talent and not really on the basis of coaching. That was just a dumb decision by the people who are running things up top, who no one really knows, because Gilbert has a lot of say in that organization, and it, it's just, it, it's fr- it's frustrating for me watching Cleveland, because now, now the East is completely out of whack, and LeBron's now in the Lakers. Kyrie's in Boston. And a whole lot of things could have changed, and we could have had a, real, could have had a fifth year straight with Cavs Warriors in the finals. And personally, I, I know people don't want dynasties in this the year? NBA. Yeah. I mean, if, if Without LeBron? No, no, no. Because I'm assuming point... if, if a different coach. No, I agree. The coach should have been gone before this, but had the Cavs reassess things and say, hey, we need a competent coach in here. Maybe that changes things and forces LeBron to stay or something yeah. like that and keeps Kyrie intact. Who knows? It's a long shot, but I think that was Cleveland's best chance and they kind of, they blew it and you, waited until now to do I, so.
2: I think you definitely could be right, but as you said, they blew it and now, you know, Ty Lu is far from Cleveland's, you know, biggest problem. They have a roster. Let me go through this roster. They have injured Kevin Love, who's a borderline all star, probably well past his prime now. and a Guy who plays an outdated style in today's NBA in Tristan Thompson. And then they have a few old guys who are just inconsistent and way past their prime uh, in J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, and Channing Frye. Then they have some young guys who are average at best. I don't think any of these guys are any good. Colin Sachs I would, is pretty good. I would trade them all. Well, of the few guys I'm about to, to mention, Jordan Clarkson, Sam Decker, George Hill, who's not even young. Rodney Hood and Larry Nance Jr. I don't think any of those guys would be a starter on a, an average or playoff. It's roster. a lot of it's
0: a lot of carryover from that LeBron team last year that they had to reassemble midseason, and it was
2: uh, damage control trying to make up for that Kyrie trade that they made right. with Boston. When they realized that those pieces like Wade and Tom Isaiah and and those guys weren't working out, they made some desperate trade deadline moves, and now they're stuck with some really average NBA players. And then they have some young guys like Colin Sexton and, and Zizich and Osman and people like that. Like, if you want to put a new coach in place to help those guys develop... I even
1: have a lot to work with at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. But yeah, I, I think, think they should,
2: should start the rebuild and should have started the rebuild before the season. And that starts with the coach and the culture... And they didn't get rid of him before the season, so I don't know why they chose only six games into the season to do it. Now, now and when, I understand. Also, when you look yeah. at when LeBron left the first time in free agency, they went from sixty-one to nineteen wins. Right. What did they expect this time? I don't. I don't get. They were delusional. The and
0: I understand we're talking in New York. We're talking in a big market where it's either you're contending for a championship or you just rip it apart and you get a high draft pick. I'm not sure in Cleveland if you're content with grabbing a sixth seed when they inked love to the four-year, $120 million preposterous deal that they did. Maybe they were thinking, look, we're fine with being a mediocre-type good East team that would get bounced in the first or second round. I'm not sure if that's acceptable in Cleveland. I know in New York, if you had a situation like Cleveland where a superstar departed, you would just rip it all apart.
2: But in the NBA, right in the middle is is the worst place to be because... It in, is in, absolutely in baseball. You know, if if you get some pitching and some things work out your way, and you make the playoffs, it's anyone's game. Hockey, totally anyone's game. We've seen eight seeds win. You know, not routinely. We've but seen eight seeds go to the Stanley Cup all the time. Yeah, and even in football, we see teams on Wild Card Weekend ride that hot streak. The Giants have done it before. In basketball, you'll never have an eight seed w- uh, win the championship. You'll n- you never. Especially I think it happened like NBA. once or twice that a, a seven or eight seed has even won in the first round and moved on. So, being right there it, whether you're barely into the playoffs or barely miss the playoffs, that's the worst place to be because you're not vying for a championship, but at the same time you're not having high draft picks, really in the NBA, the the you know, top 5 or 6 draft picks are the only ones worth that much. Right. So, you know, you need a draft pick like that to turn your franchise around. And for the for you know, Cleveland or anyone else to shoot for being a 7 or 8 seed, that's just not you know, sound thinking, in my opinion.
0: So a lot of time spent on Cleveland. I think it's perfect. That is the way it worked out. Cleveland goes to 0-6. They showcase what a disaster they are and how everything they did was wrong in signing Kevin Love and the fact that they'll never be a relevant franchise without a mega star in LeBron James. Once he departs, things go to crap. And right now it's crap in Cleveland. When he I, left, they had... to win 25 games.
2: Exactly. When he left, they had to decide whether they wanted to go for it with the veterans or totally break it apart and go with the youth movement they tried to do both sit on the fence it's not working at all they were all.
1: literally like they their organization is so misconfigured that i mean they had a coach that wanted to go for it but stunk at the same time and was probably the worst coach in the nba and they had a roster that exactly was right in the middle i mean you have a, a few good young guys but then Mostly compiled the veterans that they didn't try to do anything with over the summer. It is I agree that that's a state that is an organization that's in a state of absolute catastrophe right now. And I don't see a scenario in which they are competitive for a few years, like you said, unless they get a megastar, unless RJ Barrett turns out to be a stud of something like that. It's gonna take this these guys a while to really get back to the top of the East.
0: So a team that did do it right and a team that's going to get a high draft pick and not go for an 8-seed pointlessly is the New York Knicks. Let's go local. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Knicks and Nets are going to be in a nice battle here to see who can have a better record in the Eastern Conference this year, both 2-5 and teams right now. Knicks fresh off that 115-96 win over the Nets at home last night, and I'm liking my early impressions of Dave Fisdale. I understand the Knicks have had some tough losses, but I just don't think the talent is there to make any sort of noise and compete with the caliber of teams they were playing throughout that first week. They showed something hanging around in some of those games, and I think that speaks volumes to the culture that Fisdale has instilled in his group, but I think the talent is really horrible when you think about it, and... The record's just going to indicate that when everything shakes out.
1: I think all you can ask for from the Knicks this year is just show show life in every game you play and go out there and compete for four quarters a night. And listen, if you come out on top, it is what it is. But I, I do agree that I, I've, I've been happy with the early returns on Fizdale. I mean, he's adamant on the bench pretty much every night. He got a tea last night for going absolutely ballistic on an official over a pretty – I think it was I believe it was a no call on one on the Knicks side but regardless he sh- he shows that he's into every game and he's got his players engaged as well I mean and you look at what he's done with the starting lineup too I, I like that he's gone young I mean getting Mitchell Robinson in the starting lineup I liked Knox would be in there for sure if he was healthy mm-hmm. and Listen, some of the projects that they've taken on have had some good early returns. I mean, I don't think Hazonia's been the guy they expected to be, but he's been solid off the bench. Noah Vonla's been really good so far. He's been a rebound machine, and he's an athletic freak as well. Frank Nielakina is off to a good start, particularly in those last three games. Listen, like you said, the talent isn't there where they're going to win a ton of games, but they have competed in pretty much every game, including the Golden State game, where I mean, I know they got outscored by 30 in the fourth quarter, but... The fact to show that they were competing with Golden State for three quarters is is a, is a really good in indication of where this organization is at in terms of the mindset going forward. Is that They're going to compete in every game. They're going to give you a tough 48 minutes, and I think that's all you can ask for at the Knicks is go out there, compete, and then hopefully get a high draft pick this summer and try to get some free agents, whether it's KD or Kyrie. Hope that ends up, and I think that's it's off to a good start.
2: And develop the young players. I mean, they... At least have a vision for their future. They're, you know, taking their time to develop these younger guys. In the meantime, they'll play some, uh, you know, guys who are in the middle of their careers who don't necessarily have that much promise. But, you know, they're they're trying to help those young guys along. Um, and also taking on projects for guys who at one point had great potential and they came into the league with a lot of hype around them. But, uh, you know, they're trying to write the ship on those guys. Like you mentioned, Noah Vonleh, uh, you know, maybe comes out of the woodwork, has a has a great season, and they can have him as a building block moving forward. Unfortunately, they're hampered by injuries. You know, Kevin Knox, uh, Porzingis, obviously. But playing those young players, having, you know, role guys who are leading them, I think Enos Cantor is a role guy. I don't think he's yes, a star in this yes. league, even though he thinks he's LeBron.
1: Enos Kanter is one of the weirder players I've ever seen, not only just because of what he, some of the things that comes out of his mouth, but like, I don't even know where he'd fit on a championship team. I don't know what his role would even be. It's (laughs) non-existent.
0: He's not a guy you're starting on a championship team. But he's a guy, when it's all said and done this year, he's going to average 15-15 for the Knicks. And that says something. I'm not sure what it says on a team like the Knicks, but you look at guys, big picture-wise, that the Knicks would target to have on a future hypothetical championship team. Cantor's not in that picture. A guy like Lance Thomas I don't think is in that picture. Ron Baker is certainly not in that picture. You're looking at guys to develop like Robinson, Dotson, Vonley. These guys that could potentially amount to something. But there are plenty of guys on this roster that are A, not great players. And B, would never fit into that picture. So I think that's what separates the Knicks from the teams they're trying to battle with late in games. For instance, that Golden State game. You're running out Mitchell Robinson in big minutes. That's kind of the separating factor. That's a guy who's still developing, a guy who still doesn't necessarily belong on the floor in those minutes. So there are a lot of holes in this roster, but overall impressed and with what Fitz In the Dale's
2: meantime, on. you give them experience, you build their game, though, and you're losing games, which, you know, obviously the goal is to win games in sports. But when you're a franchise like the Knicks, losing games isn't that bad, because as we just mentioned you know, winning some and losing some and being right in the middle is not really where you want to be in the NBA. If they lose and get a high draft pick, that's totally fine. That's what Knicks fans should be rooting for this year. Player development and then also building for the future.
1: And to clarify what E-Man was saying about having guys like Mitchell Robinson at the end of the game, it's not a bad thing. No, it's, no, no it's, no, it's definitely not a bad thing, and I think I think that's what you were getting at for sure. But you you want to get these guys in big minutes because you want to see who are the guys that we can put in a spot to be building blocks in the future. You want to see who are these guys that can compete at the end of games and give you a chance to win. I mean, I think there's a few on the roster that you can say are probably going to be that in the future. Tim Hardaway, if he ends up staying when they go try to get a superstar, I'm not sure if he's going to be a piece that ends up staying here because of his contract, but I think he's clearly a guy that can play late in games. Kevin Knox at some point is going to be that. Obviously, at Porzingis, he's hurt, but there are a few guys there that, like, I mean, I'm not sure if Mitchell Robinson's a guy that I'm not sure if he's going to be a starter in this league, but I think he's certainly a role player at this point. And again, he's got a lot of time to see what exactly he's going to be. I think Frank Nielakina has already proven that he's a guy who can play at the end of games. He can be a lockdown defender, and if he becomes an elite shooter. I mean, one of the bigger surprises for me this year has been Damian Dotson. I mean, watching him play, I mean, he's averaging 14 a game right now. He's been a great shooter. His defense is solid, and he can grab rebounds. So, they're, they're, like I said, there have been some early signs of good returns from the Knicks. There's still a lot of time left in the season, obviously, to see where the Knicks are going to end up. And particularly, who are some of the guys that can be parts of the future? And I, I don't think we're going to find that out for a while, because again, this is this all could just be smoke and mirrors. As a start to the season that
0: happens and I do like what Fizdale is doing with individuals because a guy like Hardaway Jr. who knows if he's going to become a more well-rounded player as time progresses but he's really investing in some of these individual younger projects that he really sees a lot of potential in and trying to you know extrapolate as much as he can out of them and I think that's something he's doing with Hardaway Jr. we'll see if he turns into more of that all-around player by the end of the year let's turn to the flip side and the Brooklyn Nets the team the Knicks Trounce last night. So the Nets come up on the wrong end after legging out that two-point win at Barclays just not too long ago. They go to the Garden, and I believe it was their fourth game in six days, and they really came out flat and didn't showcase what they're all about. It's an interesting case with this Nets team because they're not in a spot where they're vying for a high draft pick. They're probably going to be around that 8-11 to 11 range in the East, but they are building and they have the pieces in place. So the Nets are kind of a curious case where they're content with being in that middle part that we were kind of frowning on before.
1: Yeah, and I think you want, if you're the Nets, you want to show this year that you're competent going for it. I think that's really what the goal was coming into this year with Kenny Atkinson. Just to show that this can be a spot where stars wanna play in the future. And I think in the early going there's been some showcases of that. Karis Levert looks like a really good player. I mean, he's averaging what twenty a game. I know he was a disaster last night against the Knicks just shooting one of nine. But again, he's off to a really good start and looks like a real player. And they have a ton of they have a ton of guys who are in that twenty to twenty two range that are really good players. D'Angelo Russell looks like he could be a real big guy on a playoff team. Jared Allen has come along really nicely in his second year. Whether he's been his ability to, to shoot outside or his athleticism down low, that has been there since his draft year. They they have shown that they do have some pieces to play. The real problem for them has been their second unit, and I think that's a lot of problems and a lot of bit. Excuse me, a big part of the problem with lower teams in the NBA is that the starters can compete with some of the bigger teams like Golden State and Boston and Philly, for example, but. The depth is where isn't where it needs to be, and I I think that's something that the Nets will sh- slowly improve as time goes on. But they've shown me in the early going that they have the starters that can compete with some of the best teams in these league. I mean, like I mentioned, Lavert's been great. D'Angelo Russell got off to a slow start, but he's slowly getting better. Jarrett Allen is a player. They need they're about a star or two away from really being at the pinnacle of the East. But I love Kenny Atkinson. I love Sean Marks. And I I think there is a point where we could see the Nets being one of those destinations where a star goes, whether that's this year or next year, I'm not sure. But I I think the Nets are slowly showing, and it's been the start of this year, that they're going to be a place somewhere where guys like to go.
2: And similar to what we were saying with the Knicks, this is really a year where the Nets should focus on developing those individuals that they think they're going to have going forward long-term. You mentioned Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, uh, you know, even role guys like Dinwiddie, Hollis Jefferson. See what they have, try to improve their game, really make some progress uh, in those first couple years of their career so that they can get that experience developed. Uh Karis LeVert al- already averaging 19 points per game, uh, Russell up near the 16-17 mark, but LeVert only shooting 29% from three. That's something that in today's NBA you really want Um, him to develop at the shooting guard position. Uh, So as you said, you mentioned a bunch of the the individuals that they need to improve um, or help improve, help get on their way. I think Kenny Atkinson is a good guy for the job.
0: I do want to see a little bit more, though, especially as time progresses, because you're looking at a team that maybe if they're able to sneak into the playoffs as an eighth seed and the nucleus grows together rather than as separate individuals, that's kind of an attraction, and they start to get on the map that way, then you start to attract some of these marquee guys, so I don't want to see a scenario where you're playing your fourth and six days and lay an egg against a team like the Knicks that's really in a developmental phase. That may speak more to how the Knicks played last night, I understand, but I do want to see a little bit more from the Nets moving forward in terms of consistently good play.
1: And I think we will see that, though. I think Kenny Atkinson is too good of a coach for that not to happen, and we've seen him do that in the past. Obviously, he's great with the individual player and stuff. Like you said, he's turned Karis Levert into a really good player, and D'Angelo Russell has gotten even better under his tutelage, but... Again, I, I do think we are going to see some development. Some guys off the bench have gotten off to a really slow start. Spencer Dinwiddie hasn't looked like the real good player he was last year, and he's been put into a different role. Obviously, they've gotten some production off the bench from some guys. Ed Davis has gotten off to a really good start in his first year in Brooklyn, but I, I do think eventually we are going to see a point where the Nets will put it together. And again, I'm not sure if they're a playoff team this year, and like I said, they're real. They're still a star away, I think, from putting together a real competitive roster in the East. But I I think they do have the building blocks set right now to build a good team. Obviously, the biggest building block, like I mentioned, isn't there with the superstar that they need. But they have the critical pieces there. The coach is there the g m is there for sure, and they have some guys who can be starters on a playoff team like Russell and even Levert, I think, is one of those guys at this guy at this point, plus Jared allen so i, I 'm not too worried about the nets I know they're off to a slow start, I believe they 're two and five now to start the year, mm-hmm. but I, I think as time progresses, the nets are the nets are going to show who exactly they are, and I, I think with that is going to come some depth, which hasn 't been there early on
2: and one of the things about a game like last night, I saw Atkinson and Karis Levert both talk about it is. That guys like Karis Laverta are still getting used to their roles mm-hmm. and, and progressing as players. It he takes talked time he talked about how, you know, defense is keying in on him and him being the focal point of an offense. He's gotta, you know, get used to that, uh and and really get experience in that role so that he can take it on uh, you know, more full time going forward. So they're still working out kinks earlier in the season and, and really as the season goes As a Nets fan, you should be looking for guys like that to progress to the point where they're used to being one of the leaders of the team, one of the leaders of an offense, and handling the pressure that defenses are going to come at them with so that the fourth game in in six nights, they don't get blown out by 20 points.
0: All right. Well, good stuff, guys. Uh, Good discussion locally with the Knicks and Nets and, of course, with Ty Lue and the Catastrophic. Occurrence, I guess you could call it, that's happened with the Cleveland Cavaliers over the past week, along with the Warriors' dominance. It's been another good episode of Pick and Pod. Uh, be sure to stay tuned every week, same time, Pick and Pod, discussing everything that's going on in the NBA. Great stuff from Pete Hudek back there. For Jackson Heil, Brendan O'Connell, Emmanuel Barbari, this has been Pick and Pod.